Chapter Thirty Eight of Tales of a Traveller by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Adventure of Sam the Black Fisherman, Part Three. At length, the appointed night arrived for this perilous undertaking. Before Wolfert left his home, he counseled his wife and daughter to go to bed, and feel no alarm if he should not return during the night. Like reasonable women, on being told not to feel alarm, they fell immediately into a panic. They saw at once by his manner that something unusual was in agitation. All their fears about the unsettled state of his mind were roused with tenfold force. They hung about him, entreating him not to expose himself to the night air but all in vain when wolfert was once mounted on his hobby it was no easy matter to get him out of the saddle it was a clear starlight night when he issued out of the portal of the weber palace he wore a large napped hat tied under the chin with a handkerchief of his daughter's to secure him from the night damp while dame weber threw her long red cloak about his shoulders and fastened it round his neck the doctor had been no less carefully armed and accoutred by his housekeeper, the vigilant Frau Ilse, and sallied forth in his camblet robe by way of surtout, his black velvet cap under his cocked hat, a thick clasp book under his arm, a basket of drugs and dried herbs in one hand, and in the other the miraculous rod of divination. The great church clock struck ten as Wolfert and the doctor passed by the churchyard, and the watchman brawl and his hoarse voice long and doleful all's well a deep sleep had already fallen upon this primitive little burg and nothing disturbed this awful silence except now and then the bark of some prolificate night-walking dog or the serenade of some romantic cat it is true wolford fancied more than once that he heard the sound of a stealthy footfall at a distance behind them but it might have been merely the echo of their own steps echoing along the quiet streets he thought also at one time that he saw a tall figure skulking after them stopping when they stopped and moving on as they proceeded but the dim and uncertain lamplight threw such vague gleams and shadows that this might all have been mere fancy they found the negro fisherman waiting for them smoking his pipe in the stern of his skiff which was moored just in front of his little cabin a pickaxe and spade were lying in the bottom of the boat with a dark lantern and the stone jug of good dutch courage in which honest sam no doubt put even more faith than dr knipperhausen in his drugs thus then did these three worthies embark in their cockle-shell of a skiff upon this nocturnal expedition with a wisdom and valour equalled only by the three wise men of gotham who went to sea in a bowl the tide was rising and running rapidly up the sound the current bore them along almost without the aid of an oar the profile of the town lay all in shadow here and there a light feebly glimmered from some sick chamber or from the cabin window of some vessel at anchor in the stream not a cloud obscured the deep starry firmament the lights of which wired on the surface of the placid river and a shooting meteor streaking its pale course in the very direction they were taking was interpreted by the doctor into a most propitious omen 
in a little while they glided by the point of corlear's hook with the rural inn which had been the scene of such night adventures the family had retired to rest and the house was dark and still wolfert felt a chill pass over him as they passed the point where the buccaneer had disappeared he pointed it out to dr knipperhausen while regarding it they thought they saw a boat actually lurking at the very place but the shore cast such a shadow over the border of the water that they could discern nothing distinctly they had not proceeded far when they heard the low sound of distant oars as if cautiously pulled sam plied his oars with redoubled vigor and knowing all the eddies and currents of the stream soon left their followers if such they were far astern in a little while they stretched across turtle bay and kipps bay then shrouded themselves in the deep shadows of the manhattan shore and glided swiftly along secure from observation at length sam shot his skiff into a little cove darkly embowered by trees and made it fast to the well-known iron ring they now landed and lighting the lantern gathered their various implements and proceeded slowly through the bushes every sound startled them even that of their footsteps among the dry leaves and the hooting of a screech owl from the shattered chimney of father redcap's ruin made their blood run cold in spite of all wolfert's caution in taking note of the landmarks it was some time before they could find the open place among the trees where the treasure was supposed to be buried at length they came to the ledge of rock and on examining its surface by the aid of the lantern wolfert recognized the three mystic crosses their hearts beat quick for the momentous trial was at hand that was to determine their hopes the lantern was now held by wolfert weber while the doctor produced the divining rod it was a forked twig one end of which was grasped firmly in each hand while the centre forming the stem pointed perpendicularly upwards the doctor moved this wand about within a certain distance of the earth from place to place but for some time without any effect while wolfert kept the light of the lantern turned full upon it and watched it with the most breathless interest at length the rod began slowly to turn the doctor grasped it with greater earnestness his hand trembling with the agitation of his mind the wand continued slowly to turn till at length the stem had reversed its position and pointed perpendicularly downward and remained pointing to one spot as fixedly as the needle to the pole this is the spot said the doctor in an almost inaudible tone wolfert's heart was in his throat shall i dig said sam grasping the spade who's to say no replied the little doctor hastily he now ordered his companions to keep close by him and to maintain the most inflexible silence that certain precautions must be taken and ceremonies used to prevent the evil spirits which keep about buried treasure from doing them any harm the doctor then drew a circle around the place enough to include the whole party he next gathered dry twigs and leaves and made a fire upon which he threw certain drugs and dried herbs which he had brought in his basket a thick smoke rose diffusing a potent odor savoring marvelously of brimstone and asafoetida which however grateful it might be to the olfactory nerves of spirits nearly strangled poor wolfert and produced a fit of coughing and wheezing that made the whole grove resound dr knipperhausen then unclasped the volume which he had brought under his arm 
which was printed in red and black characters in german text while wolford held the lantern the doctor by the aid of his spectacles read off several forms of conjuration in latin and german he then ordered sam to seize the pickaxe and proceed to work the close-bound soil gave obstinate signs of not having been disturbed for many a year after having picked his way through the surface sam came to a bed of sand and gravel which he threw briskly to the right and left with the spade hark said wolfert who fancied he had heard a trampling among the dry leaves and a rustling through the bushes sam paused for a moment and they listened no footstep was near the bat flitted about them in silence a bird roused from its nest by the light which glared up among the trees flew circling about the flame in the profound stillness of the woodland it could distinguish the current rippling along the rocky shore and the distant murmuring and roaring of hell gate sam continued his labors and had already digged a considerable hole the doctor stood on the edge reading formula every now and then from the black letter volume or throwing more drugs and herbs upon the fire while wolfert bent anxiously over the pit watching every stroke of the spade any one witnessing the scene thus strangely lighted up by fire lantern and the reflection of wolfert's red mantle might have mistaken the little doctor for some foul magician busied in his incantations and the grizzled head sam as some swart goblin obedient to his commands at length the spade of the fisherman struck upon something that sounded hollow the sound vibrated the wolfert's heart he struck his spade again tis a chest said sam full of gold i'll warrant it cried wolfert clasping his hands with rapture scarcely had he uttered the words when a sound from overhead caught his ear he cast up his eyes and lo by the expiring light of the fire he beheld just over the disk of the rock what appeared to be the grim visage of the drowned buccaneer grinning hideously down upon him wolfert gave a loud cry and let fall the lantern his panic communicated itself to his companions the negro leaped out of the hole the doctor dropped his book and basket and began to pray in german all was horror and confusion the fire was scattered about the lantern extinguished in their hurry scurry they ran against and confounded one another they fancied a legion of hobgoblins let loose upon them and that they saw by the fitful gleams of the scattered embers strange figures in red caps gibbering and ramping around them the doctor ran one way mud sam another and wolfert made for the water side as he plunged struggling onwards through bush and brake he heard the tread of some one in pursuit he scrambled frantically forward the footsteps gained upon him he felt himself grasped by his cloak when suddenly his pursuer was attacked in turn a fierce fight and struggle ensued a pistol was discharged that lit up rock and bush for a period and showed two figures grappling together all was then darker than ever the contest continued the combatants clenched each other and panted and groaned and rolled among the rocks there was snarling and growling as of a cur mingled with curses in which wolfert fancied he could recognize the voice of the buccaneer he would fain have fled but he was on the brink of a precipice and could go no farther again the parties were on their feet again there was a tugging and struggling as if strength alone could decide the combat until one was precipitated from the brow of the cliff and sent headlong into the deep stream that whirled below wolfert heard the plunge and a kind of strangling bubbling murmur the darkness of the night 
hid everything from view, and the swiftness of the current swept everything instantly out of hearing. One of the combatants was disposed of, but whether friend or foe, Wolfert could not tell, nor whether they might not both be foes. He heard the survivor approach and his terror revived. He saw, where the profile of the rocks rose against the horizon, a human form advancing. He could not be mistaken. It must be the buccaneer. Whither should he fly? A precipice was on one side, a murderer on the other. The enemy approached. He was close at hand. Wolfert attempted to let himself down the face of the cliff. His cloak caught on a thorn that grew on the edge. He was jerked from off his feet and held dangling in the air, half choked by the string with which his careful wife had fastened the garment round his neck. Wolfert thought his last moment had arrived. Already had he committed his soul to St. Nicholas. When the string broke, and he tumbled down the bank, bumping from rock to rock and bush to bush, and leaving the red cloak fluttering like a bloody banner in the air. It was a long while before Wolfert came to himself. When he opened his eyes, the ruddy streaks of the morning were already shooting up the sky. He found himself lying in the bottom of a boat, grievously battered. He attempted to sit up, but was too sore and stiff to move. A voice requested him in friendly accents to lie still. He turned his eyes toward the speaker. It was Dirk Waldron. He had dogged the party, at the earnest request of Dame Weber and her daughter, who, with the laudable curiosity of their sex, had pried into the secret consultations of Wolfert and the doctor. Dirk had been completely distanced in following the light skiff of the fisherman, and had just come in time to rescue the poor money-digger from his pursuer. Thus ended this perilous enterprise. The doctor and Mud Sam severally found their way back to the Manhattos, each having so dreadful tale of peril to relate. As to poor Wolfert, instead of returning in triumph, laden with bags of gold, he was borne home on a shutter, followed by a rabble rout of curious urchins. His wife and daughter saw the dismal pageant from a distance, and alarmed the neighborhood with their cries. They thought the poor man had suddenly settled the great debt of nature in one of his wayward moods. Finding him, however, still living, they had him conveyed speedily to bed, and a jury of old matrons of the neighborhood assembled to determine how he should be doctored. The whole town was in a buzz with the story of the money-diggers. Many repaired to the scene of the previous night's adventures, but though they found the very place of the digging, they discovered nothing that compensated for their trouble. Some say they found the fragments of an oaken chest, and an iron pot lid, which savored strongly of hidden money, and that in the old family vault there were traces of holes and boxes. But this is all very dubious. In fact, the secret of all this story has never to this day been discovered. Whether any treasure was ever actually buried at that place, whether, if so, it was carried off at night by those who had buried it, or whether it still remains there under the guardianship of gnomes and spirits, until it should be properly sought for, is all a matter of conjecture. For my part, I incline to the latter opinion, and make no doubt that great sums lie buried, both there and in many other parts of this island and its neighborhood, ever since the times of the buccaneers and the Dutch colonists, and I would earnestly recommend the search after them to such of my fellow citizens as are not engaged in any other speculations. There were many conjectures formed also as to who and what was the strange man of the seas who had domineered over the little fraternity at Corlear's Hook for a time. 
disappeared so strangely and reappeared so fearfully some supposed him a smuggler stationed at that place to assist his comrades in landing their goods among the rocky coves of the island others that he was a buccaneer one of the ancient comrades either of kidd or bradish returned to convey away treasures formerly hidden in the vicinity the only circumstance that throws anything like a vague light over this mysterious matter is the report that prevailed of a strange foreign-built shallop with the look of a picaroon having been seen hovering about the sound for several days without landing or reporting herself though boats were seen going to and from her at night and that she was seen standing out of the mouth of the harbour in the grey of the dawn after the catastrophe of the money diggers i must not omit to mention another report also which i confess is rather apocryphal of the buccaneer who was supposed to have been drowned being seen before daybreak with a lantern in his hand seated astride his great sea-chest and sailing through hell-gate which just then began to roar and bellow with redoubled fury while all the gossip world was thus filled with talk and rumour poor wolford lay sick and sorrowful in his bed bruised in body and sorely beaten down in mind his wife and daughter did all they could to bind up his wounds both corporal and spiritual the good old dame never stirred from his bedside where she sat knitting from morning till night while his daughter busied herself about him with the fondest care nor did they lack assistance from abroad whatever may be said of the desertions of friends in distress they had no complaint of the kind to make not an old wife of the neighbourhood but abandoned her work to crowd to the mansion of wolfert weber inquire after his health and the particulars of his story not one came moreover without her little pipkin of pennyroyal sage balm or other herb tea delighted at an opportunity of signalizing her kindness and her doctorship what drenchings did not the poor wolford undergo and all in vain it was a moving sight to behold him wasting away day by day growing thinner and thinner and ghastlier and ghastlier and staring with rueful visage from under an old patchwork counterpane upon the jury of matrons kindly assembled to sigh and groan and look unhappy around him dirk waldron was the only being that seemed to shed a ray of sunshine into this house of mourning he came in with cheery look and manly spirit and tried to reanimate the expiring heart of the poor money-digger but it was all in vain wolfert was completely done over if anything was wanting to complete his despair it was a notice served upon him in the midst of his distress that the corporation were about to run a new street through the very centre of his cabbage garden he saw nothing before him but poverty and ruin his last reliance the garden of his forefathers was to be laid waste and what then was to become of his poor wife and child his eyes filled with tears as they followed the dutiful army out of the room one morning dirk waldron was seated beside him wolfert grasped his hand pointed after his daughter and for the first time since his illness broke the silence he had maintained i am going said he shaking his head feebly and when i am gone my poor daughter leave her to me father said dirk manfully i'll take care of her wolfert looked up in the face of the cheery strapping youngster and saw there was none better able to take care of a woman enough said he she is yours and now fetch me a lawyer let me make my will and die the lawyer was brought a dapper bustling round-headed little man roarback 
or Rollback, as it was pronounced by name. At the sight of him, the women broke into loud lamentations, for they looked upon the signing of a will as the signing of a death warrant. Wolfert made a feeble motion for them to be silent. Poor Amy buried her face in her grief in the bed curtain. Dame Weber resumed her knitting to hide her distress, which betrayed itself, however, in a pellucid tear that trickled silently down and hung at the end of her peaked nose, while the cat, the only unconcerned member of the family, played with the good dame's ball of worsted as it rolled about the floor. Wolfert lay on his back, his nightcap drawn over his forehead, his eyes closed, his whole visage the picture of death. He begged the lawyer to be brief, for he felt his end approaching, and he had no time to lose. The lawyer nibbed his pen, spread out his papers, and prepared to write. "'I give and bequeath,' said Wolfert faintly, "'my small farm.' "'What all?' exclaimed the lawyer. Wolfert half opened his eyes and looked upon the lawyer. "'Yes, all,' said he. "'What? All that great patch of land with cabbages and sunflowers?' which the corporation is just going to run a main street through? The same, said Wolfert, with a heavy sigh, and sinking back upon his pillow. I wish him joy that inherits it, said the little lawyer, chuckling and rubbing his hands involuntarily. What do you mean? said Wolfert, again opening his eyes. That he'll be one of the richest men in the place, cried little Rollbuck. The expiring Wolfert seemed to step back from the threshold of existence. His eyes again lighted up. He raised himself in his bed, shoved back his red worsted nightcap, and stared broadly at the lawyer. "'You don't say so!' exclaimed he. "'Faith, but I do,' rejoined the other. "'Why, when that great field and that piece of meadow came to be laid out in streets, and cut up into snug building lots, why, whoever owns them need not pull off his hat to the patroon.' "'So you say?' cried Wolfert half thrusting one leg out of bed. Why, then I think I'll not make my will yet. To the surprise of everybody, the dying man actually recovered. The vital spark which had glimmered faintly in the socket received fresh fuel from the oil of gladness, which the little lawyer poured into his soul, and once more burnt up into a flame. Give psychic to the heart, yet who would revive the body of a spirit-broken man? In a few days Wolfert left his room. In a few days more his table was covered with deeds, plans of streets and building lots. Little Rollebuck was constantly with him, his right-hand man and adviser, and instead of making his will, assisted in the more agreeable task of making his fortune. In fact, Wolfert Weber was one of those worthy Dutch burghers of the Manhattos, whose fortunes have been made, in a manner, in spite of themselves who have tenaciously held on to their hereditary acres, raising turnips and cabbages about the skirts of the city, hardly able to make both ends meet, until the corporation has cruelly driven streets through their abodes, and they have suddenly awakened out of a lethargy, and to their astonishment, found themselves rich men. Before many months had elapsed, a great bustling street passed through the very centre of the Weber Garden, just where Wolfert had dreamed of finding a treasure. His golden dream was accomplished. He did indeed find an unlooked-for source of wealth, for, when his paternal lands were distributed into building lots, and rented out to safe tenants, instead of producing a paltry crop of cabbages, they returned him an abundant crop of rents, insomuch that on quarter-day 
it was a goodly sight to see his tenants rapping at his door from morning to night each with a little round-bellied bag of money the golden produce of the soil the ancient mansion of his forefathers was still kept up but instead of being a little yellow-fronted dutch house in a garden it now stood boldly in the middle of a street the grand house of the neighbourhood for wolfert enlarged it with a wing on each side and a cupola or tea-room on top where he might climb up and smoke his pipe in hot weather and in the course of time the whole mansion was overrun by the chubby-faced progeny of amy weber and dirk waldron as wolfert waxed old and rich and corpulent he also set up a great gingerbread-coloured carriage drawn by a pair of black flanders mares with tails that swept the ground and to commemorate the origin of his greatness he had for a crest a full-blown cabbage painted on the panels with the pithy motto all is kopf that is to say all head meaning thereby that he had risen by sheer head work to fill the measure of his greatness and the fullness of time the renowned ram rapoli slept with his fathers and wolfert weber succeeded to the leathern bottomed armchair in the inn parlour at corlear's hook where he long reigned greatly honoured and respected insomuch that he was never known to tell a story without its being believed nor to utter a joke without its being laughed at End of chapter thirty eight recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida end of tales of a traveller by washington irving